I wonder if we could just bow our heads. I want to read to you a verse from the book of Job. Your beginnings will seem humble. So prosperous will your future be. Your beginnings will seem humble. So prosperous will your future be. And it's a great, really a great privilege to, to be here. I really wanted to be here at the beginning because the story that you are writing in this place is an extraordinary story and it is only beginning now. Um, I've written a book called Know Your Why. I recommend you to get it on Amazon. Because I think it is the greatest need for our time, for a generation and for a church, to know your why. To know the purpose of why you are called to be in this place at this time. The bravest thing that you can do as a person and the bravest thing that you can do as a church is to know your why and to own your core story. And I believe God is writing a story in and through your lives, in and through the lives of Johnny and Amy as they lead you. And the core story that he is writing is a story. It's not a word. It's not a sentence. It's not a paragraph. It's not a chapter. It's a story. And you are writing the story. Because this story will be told, I assure you, that if you ever have me back, every time I come back, there will be a new chapter until the picture appears of what God has been doing and what he has been doing even before the first person walked into this place. God was already at work building what he is going to do through you. I cannot think of anything more exciting than that you have got your place to play in this extraordinary unraveling of God's picture, of God's story. And every single person, without exception, is involved in this. And that's why I am so moved, so excited, and I might get on to preaching in a minute, um, by being with you. This story is not even touched yet, but you're coming together to co-write with God the story of this change and revival in Nottingham. And that is extraordinary. Your beginnings will seem humble. You've got to make the place windproof and leak-proof. <laughs> so prosperous will your future be. And I believe that. Don't you? Yes. Well, that's great. I know that you have, uh, from time to time, almost all the time, with impossible not to have it with, with, uh, with Johnny, immense vision, enormous visions of the things that you could do, the things that you could change, the place that you could go to. 
So I want you to just vision out today. And I don't want to talk about the great vision. But I want to talk about little things. Because sometimes, I don't know if you feel that, sometimes when one has a lot of vision around, it kind of gets scary. Yeah, well, you know, how do I fit into this whole visions thing? And you kind of don't quite know what to do. But I think that what I want to do is to say, it's time to start small. Time to start small. Um, little things, little steps is where it all starts. I was thinking of the 50th anniversary of the Walt Disney Corporation, one of the greatest corporations in the world. Gives us more of the things that you can imagine, more movies than you can imagine, founded by, um, by um, Walt Disney. And at the 50th anniversary, the birthday, Walt, they asked Walt Disney, tell us, you know, what is the secret of the success? And he simply said this, if you can dream it, you can do it. But always remember, this whole thing was started with a dream and a mouse, Mickey Mouse. A dream and a mouse. And I want to talk to you about the mouse. I want to talk to you about the little things that make the difference that make the huge difference. The dreams you've got, but the mouse. Sometimes small things happen. I'm thinking, why, I don't know. I was thinking that, oh, 40 years ago or whatever it was, a DJ in Cleveland was given a disc to play by an unknown artist. And he was supposed to play according to the to the promoters, side A. He was a bit drugged, a bit drunk, and he played the wrong side. He played the B side. And the B side was Maggie May and kicked off Rod Stewart's career. Sometimes small things that appear to be mistakes actually have extraordinary effects. I think it's time, time to dream of the small things. The, the Pope, I had the, recently had the great privilege of spending a couple of hours with the Pope. That beats any bucket list you, 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 might, you might have. It was really cool, actually, sitting in the Vatican. Yeah. yeah. Hanging out with the Pope. It was amazing. And he said this. He said, we need to take up an ancient level lesson to be found in the Bible. It is that conviction that less is more. A constant flood of consumer goods can baffle the heart and prevent us from cherishing each thing and each moment to be serenely present in the reality, however small it may be, opens us to much greater horizons of understanding and personal fulfillment. Christian spirituality proposes a growth marked by moderation and the capacity to be happy with little. It's a return to that simplicity which allows us to stop and to appreciate the small things. Isn't that good? That's what we need. To stop and to appreciate the small things. And it's this, that little selfless acts have large sustainable effects. 
You might, you might not think that, but it is the only way in which this church is going to grow into the capacity that God has given you. And I don't simply mean numbers. I mean in spiritual depth. I mean times of worship that you've had. I mean in linking intergenerational connections at a time when the generations are splitting apart. I mean giving in the finances that you give to the church, in the prayers that you... The unseen praying that's going on every single day that is going to turn this place from, from what you see now into what God has ahead for you because God is a multiplier he is the multiplier of small things little selfless acts have large sustainable effects and the Bible is filled with that you know you can think of of Elijah when when God was you know he he was waiting to hear this great big voice from God and all he heard Little voice, large volume. Same with Elijah. You know, he, he, he was looking to see there was no rain and he had prophesied rain. He had said rain was going to come, just as we say now that although you're humble, you're starting as, as is humble, yet will your prosperous be? Wow, what's that going to look like? I don't know. But I know that Elijah was standing there and kept sending his servant out. Do you see anything? Once. Did he see anything? Was the rain coming? Once. No. Twice. No. Three times. No. Four times. No. Five times. No. Six times. No. Seven times. I see a tiny little cloud. Do you see a tiny little cloud that you're praying for? Your neighbor to come to faith. The person at work to come to an understanding of God, there are little signs, but a large signal. Rain is on its way. Rain is on its way. Small actions show us the attitude of God because God is not looking for actions, He's looking for the attitudes. I was thinking of the parable of the talents. A little risk has a large reward. Little risk, large reward. A great friend of mine, someone called Rick Warren, you might have read The Purpose Driven Life, which is one of the... Oh, by the way, we can just take the Know Your Why uh, off, off, off the screens. I think you've got the message by now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Rick Warren was um, he's a great guy, actually. And I said to him, Rick, you've written The Purpose Driven Life. It is the... The book that has sold the fiction, the non-fiction book in the English language that has been surpassed in sales by the Bible only. And I said to him, Rick, how did you cope with the fact? You said he is a banker. Wow, and Rick, the royalties, you know, you've sold 50 million, 50 million times the royalties equals. Wow, how did you do that? Weren't you sort of thrown off it? Do you know what he said? He said this. He said, Ken, the thing is, that God started with us and started our giving 
And every year, Kay and I started giving a little more. Some years it was great and we gave more than them. And some years it was quite tough and we didn't quite. But every year we started giving. By the time we got to Purpose Driven Life, which was sort of 25 years on in their marriage, they had such an ingrained way of, 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 of giving their money that they literally were living on 10% and giving away 90%. So when the, the book came and huge uh, cash started flowing in, they just carried on living in the same way. Same watch, same Chevy, same house, same giving. But the little risks early on had large and enormous rewards later on in their lives. Selfless acts, selfless small acts in obedience to Jesus have significant sustainable effects. So I want to look at the text for us today. But before doing so, I wonder whether we could, I could just read a piece from Zechariah. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground and then he will bring you out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Who dares despise the day of small things since the eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hands of Zerubbabel? Do not despise the day of small things. There will come a time in which you will create the capstone. The capstone is the last stone to be put on the building. It's not the, it's not the foundation stone. And you are building here. But it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it is the Spirit of God that is going to enable you to get to a stage when you, you look at that mountain, when it says, what are you, mighty mountain? What are you when you're trying to make this room windproof and um, waterproof? But it's, what is that? It is as level ground. What is it when you see that Nottingham in front of you and you want to see this place is much too small and you want to grow out of it? What is that mountain of finance and planning and, 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 and things that would hold you back from going there? What is it? It is as level ground. But when it happens and when each chapter occurs, stop for a moment and just do what they did. God bless it. God bless it. They praised every stage of the way recognizing that it was God. If you recognize God in the little acts, they will have large effects on your, on your life. So let us look at Luke, Luke 13. And I'm very grateful, Josie, that you did read. I got a little worried when you started reading Luke 18. I thought I'd have to give another 
prepare a new message for you in 20 seconds. But, um, but here it is. When Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? Luke 13. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is, you know, the, the place where, which the God is creating, the place of, of influence in the world. The kingdom of God is where God wants to reach out and touch every world. What shall I compare it to? Now, if you want to compare a kingdom, the one thing in the world you want to do is to compare a kingdom, a kingdom that is powerful, that is mighty. You know, the armaments of the United States, the people of, of China, the ingenuity of Japan. You want powerful. That's what kingdoms are. When you think of kingdom, you think of power, might, strength. So what does he compare? You would say to him, the kingdom of God is like a mighty army moving out. The kingdom of God is like a financial machine with all the money that you've got moving into Nottingham, claiming all the land. That's what you would expect Jesus to say. What does Jesus say? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Wow. Mustard seed? Well, how much smaller can you get? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Says the Lord. It's like a mustard seed which a person took. So the first thing to recognize is you have to take the seed. A person took. It's no use looking at the mustard seed. You have to take it. Now, I don't know if you've been into... If you're gardeners, you go into garden shops and you see packets. And I don't think I've been there very often, but I have seen a packet of, I don't know, flowers or tomatoes. Um, and you look at the packet and you say, wow, it's a nice packet. It's got a pretty picture of a tomato on it. Yeah, it looks good. Maybe it'll grow. Maybe it'll produce tomatoes. But if you just keep looking at the packet, nothing will happen. You have to take it. You have to take the seed. Step one, open packet. Step two, take seed. And so often what is happening is that actually all that we're doing is we're looking at the packet and never taking the seed. And he says, take the seed and Plant. You cannot grow if you do not plant. The mere looking at the seed, even the taking of the seed, even saying, do you know, I believe that God has spoken to me this morning as I hope he did during our time of worship. And wasn't that amazing? Even if you say he's spoken, I take that seed, nothing will happen until you plant the seed. Every seed that grows, germinates, has to be planted. It cannot grow by observation. It can only grow by planting. So you have to take the seed. The seed is what God has spoken to you individually this morning. And it's a little thing. It's a little thing that he would have said. Please don't think of anything great while I'm talking. Think of the littlest thing. Being able to make peace with your teenage children. 
being able to talk to the neighbor, being able to speak to the person at work who's driving you nuts because they're just irritating you, as we heard in one of the words. That word, take it and plant it. Where? In his garden. It's a very important thing that. He calls us to, a garden is a place of your own. It's where you might be happy. It's where you step out and grow and have recreation, play with children. It's yours. It's not your neighbor's. So when you're wanting to plant, do not think of wanting to plant in someone else's patch, but in your own where God has given you scope and grace, place to enjoy. I mean, you, even if you don't have a garden, you have the picture of it. And the temptation we will always have is to do something somewhere else, in someone else's garden. You know, I'd like to plant something in the Hughes's garden because it's all very exciting and it's lively and lots of children and all the other things that go with it. But actually, God is saying, no, I want you to plant in the place that I have put you, in your backyard, in your garden, not across the fence, not looking somewhere else. And that's, of course, what happens to the seed. The seed goes into the ground and it grows. Do you see, that's the part you took, he planted in his garden and it grew and why does it grow? Because you're going to look after it in the place where you're looking after it. You've got skin in that game. It's your seed, your garden, you planting. And so you as a church are planting together in this part of Nottingham. You're planting to reach people. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter what other churches are doing. It doesn't matter that others might come and plant next door to you. So what? This is your patch and you're planting in it. And what happens is it grows and becomes a tree. And the birds perched in its branches. And I have this picture of this tree growing. And as you grow the tree, the birds of Nottingham come into it. The neglected, the marginalized, the poor, the distressed, the distraught, the hungry, the powerful, the moneyed people, the working people, come into this tree. And from this tree, draw all your effort because you have taken, you have planted, you have planted where it matters and the tree grows. Do you see that? Isn't that exciting? Because that is how you will see the church growing. It's not going to grow by some great big vision, important as it is. A dream and a mouse. Something big, something small. Something I can do, something I can buy into, which is bigger than myself, which motivates me when things get rough. And then he says again, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilos of flour until it worked all through the dough. Let me just show you a picture of what actually happens with yeast 
Yeast creates 70 times its size. The tiniest bit of yeast creates 70 times. Now, if you want to do the mathematics, let's say there are 200 people here. 70 times that. 7 times that is... 14,000, 70 times that, 140,000. Is it possible? No. But with God, all things are possible. If this yeast that you are taking is put into the bread and the dough of Nottingham around you, who knows what could happen? In God's way, it could grow. 10, 20, 50 times its way. So there is, there is an exciting time that lies ahead. But you know, quite often in our lives, the, the great, it's small things that, that bring us down. Small things that we fall a cropper. You might have read the story on Peter Jenkins he wrote a book called Walk Across America. And he walked across America with his dog from one side to another. And his experiences are in a film and in a book. And he explained that he, when asked, what really overwhelmed you, you know, in this whole journey? I mean, he was attacked. His dog was killed. He was robbed. He was nearly murdered. And he said, you know what? It wasn't the big things that overwhelmed me, but the small things. He said, what almost defeated me over and over again was the sand in my shoes. It's the small things that can destroy the big picture that God is calling you to. The little unforgiveness, the little grudge, the little jealousy, the little bit that you don't really want to talk about. So little things have great effects in the kingdoms and little things can destroy the very work of the kingdom. The sand in his shoes, that constant irritation that he must have felt as he was walking across the uh, America. It's always struck me as being something really to remember. It's little things have large effects, both positively and also on the negative side. But also, little things, we must always remember, can grow. Little seeds grow. So I want to end by sharing with you a picture. A picture that I think might apply here too. So there was a family in Kent a few years ago, and they had a greenhouse, which you see coming up. And in the corner of the greenhouse was a neglected plant. It was an agave plant. Does anybody know what agave is? Anybody? Ah, one tequila drinker. Because <laughs> agave is the source of tequila. And for 40 years, this plant lay in the corner and nothing ever came of it. It was neglected, it was forgotten. Sometimes it got a bit of compost or manure. Sometimes it got a bit of water, the leftovers. It was left over in the corner. And then last year, in a period of six weeks, 
This plant grew 40 feet. And look what happened. Maybe we can just zoom in. Look at that. It broke through the glass ceiling. Now, I want to, I want to say to you this, that that plant, when it got to the ceiling, it didn't suddenly say, wow, there's a ceiling. Can't do that. I'll turn down. I'll grow downwards. It's quite nice to have grown quite high, but I don't want to go through a ceiling. Why would I want to do that? I, Mr. Agave, would rather like to be cool in the, in the, in the greenhouse. I don't like it outside there because you know, when the rain comes and the weather comes and the, and the wind comes, it's going to knock me over. But what it does is it actually meant that they, it pushed through because it was in its DNA to continue to push through whatever the ceiling was. And I want to tell you today that both in your own lives where God has called you to take on little things and see great things come of it, little acts, large effects, so also for you as a church together, that there is no ceiling, there is no stop, there is no lid, there is nothing pressing down on what God will do with you if you are prepared to go with him, waiting for him, waiting and hearing from him. And then when those oppositions come, when that ceiling comes, we just break through it. Because it's that breakthrough that God calls us to. He doesn't call us to live in break even. Break even is what we do at the end of a month, hoping that there's more money coming in than going out. But God is calling us to break through. That that which you have planted, taken, planted in your backyard, will grow into a tree and that tree cannot be pushed down because God is doing something in this place that is truly extraordinary. However humble your beginnings are, I want to tell you in the name of the Spirit of God that He's doing something even more wonderful by enabling you to grow. Because you know what? There is no ceiling to the growth that God has brought. Once upon a time, there was a man. His name was Jesus. He died on a cross. He was neglected. He was rejected. They gave him a bit of wine and vinegar mixed up, thrown out. But he, they put him in a tomb, a kind of greenhouse. And they sealed him there, but the ceiling was broken as Jesus rose from the dead. As he rose from the dead, he gave us the power to know that we can do all things through him who has given us the power to grow. If only we would take that seed and see it grow and see what God is doing in this place. Nothing, no weapon that is fashioned against you, no ceiling, no, no, no lid will stop what God is doing in your midst. And I profoundly believe that. Why don't we stand?